you came today on a holiday weekend. Thank you so much for being part of what we're doing. Week nine in family. It's been a good week for me. I feel kind of spunky. <laughs> I just finished 26 weeks teaching the Bible on Wednesday night. For those of you that may not know, every Wednesday night we deep dive the scripture and we talk about hard stuff. And we're in a break right now of four weeks. So I've been kind of like, I don't know what to do with myself. And it was kind of fun to let my brain enjoy some peace from studying. But on Wednesday, I told Robin, I said, I want you to pray for me because I just don't know where to go Sunday. I've got several things brewing in my heart about family. And I'm feeling stirred to do a left-hand turn and talk about something that wasn't on my heart already. And I wrestled with that for two more days. And yesterday, everybody was scattered around and I was home alone. And I just began to just ask God what he wanted to say. And he put something on my heart. So are you okay if we do a left-hand turn today? And uh, just the best I can give you from what's in my heart and what's been brewing in my heart a while that I hope will challenge us all. And I hope you'll go away blessed with what God has stuck in my spirit to help us with today. Here is a scripture that's been with me for years. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your soul and they are accountable to God. When I first started pastoring or preaching years ago, my mom took me to this scripture and she shared it with me. And the part that stuck out to me was not that you should obey your leaders, but that if this was something I was going to do with my life, that I have an obligation to watch over your soul. And my heart for the last 30 years has been to try to do that. I know I'm not always great at it, but I try to do it well. To watch over your souls. I care about all of you in the room. Some of you I know personally. Some of you I know casually. And some of you, you told me your name and I probably forgot. And I'd really like to know it. So tell me again. But I love you. I genuinely care about you. I care about where you're going in your journey. And what you want to accomplish for God. So... From the time I started out, this phrase that I highlighted in green, to watch over your soul, I've never tried to strive to grow a huge church. If it happens, it happens. Uh, but my intent is not to wake up and try to figure how many butts can get in a seat. My heart has been to see you, your soul blessed and to feel that your soul is stronger today because of something I or Robin or in our ministry we've shared with you that you've become a stronger person because of it or it challenged you to think about something or overcome something in your life. But the thing that kept me sort of maybe intimidated about preaching for a while and it still does to this day is what I highlighted in the blue. I don't know if you believe this or not or your opinion on it, but it's my opinion that one day Mark Evans has to stand before God and I'm going to have to give an account of everything I've ever taught you. And so what it does for me is it makes me sit home and be very thoughtful about, I want to be very careful about what I tell you because I have no desire to get up there and God go, that was stupid. <laughs> You're going to pay for that, son. But for the 33 years that I've been a pastor, I have tried to live this. I tried to understand that I don't want to just teach you my emotions or my opinions. And I try to be thoughtful about that. I try to tell you, 
I think this is scripture versus I think this is my opinion. And I try to put it out there to you that way that to understand that I am a human and I could be wrong and I could say things that you might not agree with scripturally, but in the core of who I am, it's to download what I believe scripture teaches and to lay it out there for us to talk about and to hash over it and live by it. And because I believe, I genuinely believe this, that one day, I don't know how this is going to go down, but I'm going to stand in front of God and he's going to go, so I heard you did 40, 50, 60 years, however long I'm left on planet preaching my Bible. And I'm like, yes, I did. And he goes, well, good. You're about to be accountable to everything you've ever said. And so it makes me come today and it makes me stand up here on Sunday that I'm not looking for some mic drop tweetable sermon. I want to be able to end and go eat wherever we're going to eat lunch as a family and be able to say, I downloaded what was in my heart. And, and I hope it helped you and I hope you grew from it and I hope you were challenged by it. So with this in mind, I, I want to talk to you today like a shepherd that cares about you and that cares about your family, but within reason of the world that we live in right now. It's really strange, this planet that we're in and where we're headed And it challenges me because I have to stand up here and believe things that the culture no longer seemingly believes, but I believe inherently. And then there's the battle of that. And so what landed in my heart today and what I've been struggling, not struggling in a negative way, but should I go here today is to teach you how to be a godly family in the midst of a woke culture. Because we're facing it whether we like it or not. And we're up against something that if we're not careful, we're going to be sucked into a vortex of something that's not even what God intended us to get in. We're going to get in the middle of something that's not the kingdom, and we need to be smart with it. There's a scripture in the book of Peter, and this is what it says. It's, It's really a strange scripture. It makes you think If you think about it logically, it's almost ludicrous, like it would not fit logic, but it goes this way. Peter says, stay alert, exclamation point, meaning meaning sit up straighter and take a deep breath. I'm about to tell you something, he says. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion. And then this phrase, he's looking for someone to devour. I've known this passage of scripture almost my whole Christian life because it preaches so well when you're in the youth group. The the devil's going to get you. Keep your pants zipped. Live right. The devil's going to get you. You kind of grow up, especially if you grow up Pentecostal, you grow up with the devil's always about to get you at any given moment. However, when you become an adult and you start reasoning it out and you take what you've been taught versus reality, it makes you question it. Because if the devil's roaming around the earth looking for someone to devour, and there's seven plus billion people on planet earth, and the devil cannot be everywhere at the same time, it would take him nearly 270 years to tempt every person for one second if he touches everybody. So the likelihood that he's going to show up at my house is pretty nil. Why would he, if 700 billion people, 
If he just went through this room and touched every one of you in a day, it would take him nearly uh, almost a year before he ever got to my house if he just spent a day at each of your houses. So how does he devour us? Does he wake up on Monday and go through a list and go, okay, today I'm going to Georgia. I think I'll go to Douglasville today. I got one person. Who could I get? Like, is he Googling your name? Does what you post tick him off and he chooses based on your post? And if your post is about Jesus, you're on his radar. If you're a tither, does he go, I'm going after tithers first? Like, who does he pick? Because he, he's only one being. And if he's roaming the earth looking who to devour, I'm like, well, I probably ain't a threat. I like Mexican food. It's not like I'm a worldwide evangelist. My YouTube videos are incredible with 32 views. It's not like I'm killing the world here. So... But, but Peter almost says it as if, don't be so naive, stay alert. It could happen to you. So now, logically, I have some options here. I don't think it could be the devil, because here's what's weird. I hit somebody up over in Kenya. We're taking a mission trip there in, in a week or so. I hit one of the pastors up. How are you doing? He texts back, oh man, devil's riding me hard. And I'm like, oh bro, <laughs> the devil's riding me hard. Well, how could the devil ride both of us hard at the same time if he's only one devil? Either he's hopping back and forth real fast like light, messing with me, and I'm going, he's messing with me. And all of a sudden he goes, no, he's messing with me. That doesn't seem logical. The most logical thing would be he's got a lot of help. The most logical thing there is he's either got a lot of demons that I can't see, and I do believe scripturally demons exist, or the devil is trying to devour me in another way. And he doesn't need demons to do it. He doesn't need himself to do it. He just needs this. Because if I can shift what you think, I can devour you. And I think we, if we leave God out a minute, psychologically, if I can shift how someone thinks, I can control them. If I want to control a group of people, I need to change how they think. And once I get what they think and shift it, I can control the narrative of my kingdom based on what people think. And so the way I devour you is I get you to think contrary to life. So if, I, if I'm a God person, to devour me is not to put a demon on me to make my house leak when there's a rainstorm. To devour me is to cause my mind to think opposite of the way God is thinking. And the moment I begin to think opposite of how God thinks, I am in a source of being devoured. I don't die, I get devoured. Devoured is you slowly rot. It's not an immediate death. So all I need to do as an enemy to destroy a generation is simply change how everybody thinks about God. 
And if I can do that, I can control the way the kingdom moves. Now, how would I accomplish this if I was the devil? How would I pull this off? I'm one dude, I can do demons, but you Christians irritate me because every time I send a demon, you cast it out. I don't like that. So demons are good, but but they're low-end totem pole people because you can cast them out. But if you ever tried to cast a thought out and it comes right back, it's something that's in there. You can't quit thinking about it. It's a thought. It's why the Bible says, take these things captive. It's why the Bible says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Do you understand that the way the enemy is devouring us today as believers, it's not by getting us to be perverted. It's not by getting us to go in a, it's by simply shifting what we think about God. And once I do, I'm, I'm a target for being devoured. So in thinking that through, that was my starting point of what was brewing in my heart. You said, what does this have to do about family? I'll tell you. I Googled, am I transgender? Now, not because I'm struggling. (laughs) I do live with all women. I have been out of underwear and considered the option. I chose not to do the option, but I just told Robin, you need to wash my underwear. (laughs) But I Googled, am I transgender? And what popped up was 1,720,000,000 results. 1,720,000,000 results of am I transgender? And the first website is Planned Parenthood. They can teach you how to know if you're transgender. And the second website is Belong To. It's a website where you can come if you're a young person and you can find secrecy and support and help by logging in and signing up with them and they'll support you, and which I understand. We live in a world where trans is, is out front now and we're all, I don't know if, if anybody here has no clue, but lately that's all we've talked about. It's everywhere. And so I thought, well, let's just see. And obviously it is because 1.7 billion results. That's a lot of people who are commenting on it. That's a lot of articles. That's a lot of key words that are showing up. And we're stuck in the middle of this thing called Christians. And the reality is what's happening quickly is the mindset of Christians is shifting because we live in a culture where to think like God thinks is quickly becoming homophobic, misogynist, bigoted, and you're getting shoved into a corner for being a narrow-minded little person who doesn't think like the rest of the world. So if I say, "Mm, transgender, I do know people are there. I do know they struggle with their identities. I I got that. And I can help them and all. But if I even comment anything to the negative, I'm shoved into a corner. I'm a white, racist, supremacist, conservative, right-wing terrorist because I believe differently than the corporate global think tank. 
So if I want to destroy you and devour a Christian belief, I simply make you be a little fish of thought in a corporate think tank called the world. And I know it's so such a struggle that you'll slowly turn because swimming upstream gets tiring and we suddenly just shift and just give in and just go, well, I don't know. I mean, it is a big thing. Now, here's how I know it's getting interesting. I know, <laughs> I know something's changing because if you've been watching this Bud Light thing play out, it is a marketing genius ploy disaster at the same time, and Christians are right in the middle of it. If you don't know what's going on, take me to Mexican and I'll tell you. <laughs> but long story short, Bud Light decided to get into the global think tank of transgender and ideologies of sexual identity and they hired good old Dylan and Dylan came in who's now a girl and Dylan became their spokesperson which is great for the LGBTQ, one up for the, for the LGBTQ, we got a trans to do Bud Light. But if you're a redneck, we're gonna blow your beer up, we're gonna flush it down the toilet, we're gonna throw it off the bridge, we're gonna boycott Bud Light, we're never gonna drink Bud Light again because if you do, you're gonna turn gay. And I'm sorry, Bud Light. So then Bud Light responds back, uh-oh, we ticked off a lot of people. And then the lot of people say, you should have known your market. And they like, we did know our market, we just thought we could push you a little further our way. And so now Bud Light sits there, and even if you drink it today, even if you like it, it tastes like pee, but if you do like it, <laughs> If you do prefer a Bud Light, even if people see you drinking it, we immediately think gay or they're on LGBTQ. That, that's just the way it goes down. Here it sits. Marketing, what, I'm sure somebody's going to get a PhD in it one day. But here's the funny thing. Is Christians get excited that Bud Light is tanking. We're like, yes, yes. Oh, I was on the NASDAQ and Bud Light's down like $1.6 billion. Yeah, we did it, man. We showed them we're not going to take this woke stuff. I'm okay with that. But do you think that God is in heaven going, hey, Bud Light stock's dropping. This is, this is what we died for. Oh, Bud Light can't be sold anymore. Come on, heaven, let's rejoice. Do you think God gives a rip about Bud Light stock? Do you think God's up there rejoicing that Bud Light's going to have a terrible quarter on the NASDAQ? And yet Christians act like we won a big war because we showed them. Conservatives, we showed them. The war is not a political war. The war is not LGBTQ versus conservative. The war is to devour the faith of God's people. To get you more ticked off about Bud Light than the fact that your own soul is still dirty. You're mad they picked a trans guy, but you're still a jerk. You haven't changed at all. 
you would not dare drink a Bud Light because I got to take a stand, but you're still hooked on porn. Come on. Because we've been sucked into the ideology of the world and we've lost what God is after. And we've been sucked into what the world is doing, trying to combat everything they believe. Pull your kids out of school. Here's the other one, Target. Anybody been on this bandwagon lately? Oh my God. Target selling gay clothes. Oh Jesus, you can buy a bathing suit and tuck your junk in it. Oh Lord. You believe that? Oh my God, don't go to Target. I've never bought anything from Target again. Which is cool. If that's what you want to do, more power to you. But if you're going to go that route, you're going to have to quit buying gas and chocolate and Dairy Queen and everything but probably Chick-fil-A. I'll give you Chick-fil-A. But probably everything else in the world is throwing money to the gay lesbian agenda. Get rid of your Nike shoes. They're probably get rid of your little electric car because they're using kids to mine out the stuff. Your Nike shoes are sold in a sweatshop. So if you're going to get all holy about whether Target sells a gay t-shirt, you might want to just look at yourself and go, what is the real fight here? Now, if you want to oppose it, great. If that's something you just love, like, man, I just love politicking, go for it. Get you a sign, whatever you need to do. But at the end of it, just ask yourself, is this where God is trying to get us to go? Like, is God excited that suddenly Target moved the gay clothes to the back aisle? God's like, we got a big win here. I know I raised you from the dead, son, but this is bigger. We got the gay clothes in the back of the house. But yet Christians are sucked into this war of ideology and we really miss what the big picture is here. Now, I think it could be an issue because Target does, they have pride for good and you can, if you're LGBTQ, you can send your clothes to them and they'll sell it. And they support GLSEN, that's Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network. Now that network is an advocate for LGBTQ youth from kindergarten to 12th grade. And that's been going on since 1990. So let's not think that we're suddenly in a big deal here. What's happened is over several decades, many Christians have gotten sucked into, could you just pray for me that I'd get a better job? that I wouldn't hit the red lights on the way to work, that my back would quit hurting, my husband would kiss me more, my dog's having surgery. Like, I get it. I I have all those prayer requests myself. But the reality is, we've been, our minds have been shifted, and rather than warriors, we've become victims. And rather than righteous, we've become religious. And rather than powerful, we've become political. And we lose why we've been left here on this planet. But I want you to understand something. How do you shift an entire culture of faith? You simply start in kindergarten. And you slowly change them over time. 
So the devil's not devouring us today. He's been attempting it for decades. For decades, he has pushed you into a corner. Your faith is private. Just wear the bracelet. Just be quiet. Just be reserved. We've become very narcissistic in our faith, very me-oriented, very lucky rabbit's foot God. And we've kind of lost that we're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. We've sort of lost that I'm supposed to be in the middle of darkness representing the light. But now the light of the world and the salt of the earth is being shoved into a corner because if you shine too brightly, you lose your job. You get canceled. Even some Somebody in this church not long ago made a Facebook post about the LGBTQ agenda and they got fired from their job because of it. So we're even at a place now that if you do even remotely take a stand for righteousness and you say anything that's opposed to the greater think tank, you get canceled, shoved in a corner, labeled and all these things and shut down and you, you really find yourself trying to live your faith in any practical way beyond just submitting and going with the flow, it's going to be a challenge. Now fast forward into this, because this is for us. So I'm not talking about Target now, I could care less about Bud Light, and what marketing people do, I could care less. It's the world, what do you expect? But I do care about the church. If you wanna shop somewhere, great, go for it. I tell you what I do care about, I care about God's people and what we're thinking. Because I take that is I got work to do and we have work to do. And what I see happening is that God's people have been lumped into the think tank of the world. And now, because we're not critical thinkers, we start believing like the world while we still love Jesus. So we love God, but we think like the world. We love Jesus, but we think like the world. And that, to me, I find cannot exist. You cannot love Jesus and be friends with the world at the same time. You have to pick. Scripture even says to love the world is to be my enemy. I hate that. But it does present a challenge of how do we live godly in a world that is so ungodly? How do I represent light when everything, the antithesis of that is so in my face? I've said all along, I don't, I don't really care what marketing companies do. They're public businesses. They do whatever they want to do. They have their boardrooms. They have their marketing strategies. I really don't care. What irritates me is when it's shoved down my throat and I'm supposed to ideologically just accept it as my own. So you, you want to go be gay? It's America. You can do that. But to shove it in my throat. Now, here's the problem with that, though. That's what Christians do. Because we say, well, you shouldn't be gay and you should believe like me. And then I shove God down their throat. So they're shoving an agenda down my throat. And then I go, well, I'm going to shove my agenda down your throat. And we're all just shoving agendas down each other's throat. I think there's a way within which we can show forth the light of the world very practically. And not have to get in a war with people. And it's going to sting and it hurts and it's not fun. Here it is. 
First Peter goes on to say, stand firm against him. Talking about the devil that's trying to devour you. Now it doesn't say stand firm and agree, stand firm and ignore. It says stand firm against him, meaning you're going to have to have some chutzpah here. You're going to have to be willing to tow your back and go, look, I'm good with everywhere it's going. I just don't believe that way. Like you're going to have to have something in you that says, I'm either going to live what I believe or I'm just going with the think tank here. There can be no more doing both. There's, this is what I mean by what God put on my heart. I believe there's coming a moment where a line in the sand is drawn and you're either going with God's way or you're going the world's way. There is no more playing both. And the moment we choose, the moment we choose, it's going to be a war. And just to show you how serious this is, I have a friend of mine. He pastors in a Methodist church. And over the last year, they've been in great debate on pulling out of the Methodist denomination because the Methodist denomination has voted to uh, ordain gays and lesbians and transgenders in their denomination. And so now what you have is conservative Methodists with progressive Methodists arguing about Methodism and what's right and wrong. And they're saying, we're right. No, we're right. And they split right down the middle. And now they have the conservative side of the Methodist church and the liberal side. And this is just going down now. They're splitting and and the conservatives are trying to figure out, well, what are we going to be now? So let's not pretend it's something that has to do with Bud Light and Target. It has something very much to do with church today. You you will even find all over, are we a gay affirming church or a non-gay affirming church? Do we believe in same sex? Do we not? Do we affirm transgender? Do we not? We're not talking about public school education and curriculum and inclusion. We're talking about among God's people. We don't even know how to talk about it. We only know how to threat and we don't know how to debate. We don't know how to say, yes, you're gay. We love you. Although we disagree scripturally, we love you. We're glad you're here. We want to help you. And then the gays say, no, you're not glad I'm here because I came in the door. I can't even do anything but sit and give you money. So it's just this big disaster of, of how we just sit around now and go, oh God, what's happening and so now we have gay churches and non-gay churches. And, and like God's now happy. Like finally, whew, we got them split. It's us down here whose thinking has, has been devoured because the real thinking is who's right and who's wrong Because conservatives say we're right, progressives say we're right, they quote scripture, they quote scripture, they change, and it it is so violently, I'm looking for a word, it's just violently in your face of what are we going to do? Here's what he says, stand firm against him, and then this, and stand strong in your what? Yeah, it doesn't say stand strong for your beer, stand strong for your politics, stand strong for your educational choices. It says stand strong for your faith. So what I do know is that all of this stuff that's in the world, the great think tank of the world, it's not about a Republican or a Democrat or a liberal ideology of a marketing ploy to go a certain way. It is directly a slap in the face of people who have faith to cause you to believe that your faith can make no difference on this planet. And you will begin to compromise your faith. 
Remember, he says, that your, fam- that your family of believers, so we're not the only one here dealing with it. It's everywhere. He said, it's all over the world. And there's other people. Here it comes. This is not a good topic, especially to fill up a church. They're going through the same kind of suffering. And I believe what's happening is easier just to give in and go, it's here. Let's just deal with it. Because to go any way against it is a suffering. Because I, I could lose my job. I could be def, deplatformed. I could be shadow banned. I could be whatever. People are on social media. I could be blocked. I could be canceled. I'm going to get labeled. I have a gentleman in the church whose child is a homosexual. And the mother and father are very much conservative Bible believers that homosexuality is wrong. And so they've put that to the child and the child says, well, y'all are just narrow minded. You should affirm my choices. If you were loving parents, you would affirm my choices. And this is going on at present. You would affirm my choices. Well, we, we do love you, but we can't affirm your choices because we believe this. And well, if you really love me, you would. And so now the child won't even talk to them anymore. So let's not pretend that this is something dealing with Target. It's touching families now. Young kids in homes, Christian homes that are struggling with their sexual identity. It's breaking homes apart. Because the parents are, I I thought I believed this, but now that it's my kid, I don't know what I believe. That's what one parent told me. They called me and said, my my daughter just downloaded to me. They were a lesbian. Oh my God, Pastor Mark, they're going to go to hell. This is what I believe. You're going to be gay. You're going to go to hell. Oh, and he's sobbing on the telephone. He's a 50 year old man sobbing on the telephone that his daughter's going to go to hell. Because now what he's been told his whole life. So I do want you to understand that we're in a generation now where the the think tank seemingly is going against thousands of years of what Christians have believed and what scriptures have taught us. And and now we're at a place of what are we going to do? And so what we get is, well, I think I can love Jesus and just push the... The, the history of Christianity aside, and the goal is just love Jesus, man. Let's just all love Jesus. I'm not opposed to that, but the thinking that, that the goal is just to love Jesus is not the goal. And just believe in Jesus. Even the demons believe in Jesus. The goal is much narrower than that, and this is where the rubber meets the road for us as a church. He said, yes, everyone who wants to live a godly life will suffer persecution. That verse to me was always about missionaries that went off to some foreign place somewhere and got murdered by some jungle people. I would have never thought it would have been in my face, in my generation, to my children. But I love what he says Because he doesn't force anybody into this game. He doesn't shove it down your throat. He doesn't threaten you with hell if you don't choose it. He simply says, if you want to live it. I simply want to ask you a question today. Do you want to live godly? Because I find a lot of Christians are doing their best to get as sinful as they can while still loving Jesus. 
That just doesn't cut it. I'm going to live as carnal and as sin, you know, as, as fleshly as I can, but I love Jesus and how dare you judge me? So he, he asked a great question. Do you want to live godly? And then assumes if you answer yes, he's not going to candy coat it. If you want to live godly, you will suffer persecution. Meaning the global think tank is not going to be moving toward godliness. So the moment you go, me and my family are going to live godly, you have just started going the opposite way of 99% of the rest of the earth. And and it's going to be a rough road. I'll tell you this, it's a lonely road. It's a scary road. Your own shepherd here in my high school years was having sex with my girlfriend. I knew it was wrong. I wouldn't quit. I would go to church and tell God I was sorry. Didn't matter. I really wasn't because Friday night would roll around. I'd get drunk. I'd sleep with my girlfriend. I'd go to church and tell God I was sorry. Rinse and repeat. Until finally, my youth pastor was wise enough to point his finger in my face and say, you need to get your life right. Now that could work in the 1980s. If you say that today, you hurt my feelings. (laughs) Because now we got a generation, you can't even remotely tell them the truth because you've triggered them. So now it's even harder to be a Christian because if I say anything you don't like, I trigger you. I can literally say, eat your broccoli. (laughs) You triggered me. Oh God. Oh my God, I didn't trigger you. Grow up. (laughs) But if I'm the enemy and I want to devour Christians, what do I need to do? Just get you frustrated to where you can't even say what you believe because to say what you believe is to trigger them and judge them. And you're like, I'm not judging or triggering. I'm just saying what I believe. But if I don't believe what you believe, you get triggered. But uh, you get triggered if I even say anything remotely against what you want. Because the reality is we're living in a generation where either we believe what we believe or we cave. And my belief is if we don't want to stand firm for what we believe, then let's quit and be TED Talks and have YouTube channels. Because the local church is in a crisis moment where we're going to have to determine, are we going to stand for what the truth is, regardless of the think tank and what might happen to me for holding on to it? He goes on to say this, verse 13 of 2 Timothy 3, but evil people and imposters will flourish. In other words, it seems to make me think that it's not going to get better. The global think tank is going to grow and grow and grow while those who are trying to be the light of the world are going to shrink. And it's going to be a challenge. This is, I'm not trying to be a prophet here. I'm not a prophet. But I try to be wise to know that I think Christianity in the next five to ten years is going to be a challenge. By that, I don't mean find a church and sing songs and give money. It's going to be a challenge to live this out. But you must, verse 14, remain faithful. So in other words, it might get dark, but he's not giving up hope here. 
He's literally trying to entice us that in the middle of this generation, you can remain faithful. But how? You got to know what you've been taught. And you need to trust those who teach you. So my question is, who's teaching you faith? Because this is critical for our generation. There are kids growing up in Christian homes who know doodly squat about anything. The, the, the parents just push them to sports and education and accolades and all kind of things. But when it comes to faith, they know nothing except pray for the biscuits before you eat them. And, and ask God to help you pass calculus. That's the best they got. But the reality is, is do you want to be taught? Because I find a lot of people don't want to be taught. They want to be prayed for. Would you just pray for me? I'm struggling. Yeah, I'll pray, bro. But you need a good lesson. You need to be taught how to live better. And you'll quit coming to the altar asking for prayer. The reason you come every week and ask for prayer is you don't want anybody to tell you what's wrong so you can fix it. Because we have a generation that wants the easiest way out. And being taught is not easy. Because being taught is going to challenge every bit of flesh you have. To be taught means somebody smarter than you. Wiser than you. Knows more than you and can call your junk out. Right? To be taught. And I'm not talking about be taught on YouTube. Because you can YouTube anything. How many toes did the Nephilim have? Oh, wow, six. That is amazing. The only problem with YouTube teachers, if you don't like them, you can cut them off. And you can pick and choose what you want to learn. But when you're part of a family, oh, God will read your mail. He'll, t- he'll say things you didn't that hurt your feelings, that, that step on your toes, that touch you. You'll be like, how did the preacher know that's what I was thinking? Because that's how God works. God is trying to teach us something. And I stand up here, I try my best. I'm not saying I'm great at it. But I do try my best to bring you something that'll make you think, that'll challenge your noggin. I'm not trying to get you to tweet what I say. I want you to go, man, that made me think. That stretched my brain. That challenged my faith. And I want you to at least, this is weird because this sounds so arrogant, at least you know me enough to trust that I'm going to at least try to tell you what I think is true. And if it's not, I try to tell you it's my opinion. I also know I can be wrong, but if I give it to you, I'm giving you the best that I got right now. But you got to be taught. That means somebody needs to be in your life and can say, bro, stop doing that. Quit acting that way. You're being an a-hole right now. Stop it. Quit doing this. Get your mind right. Zip your pants up. Quit sleeping with your girlfriend. My God, come on. Let's serve God. Like you need somebody to do that for you. You, you don't need, a, it, it, I know it's a tough, <laughs> I know, I know it's so you, we just all lust and struggle. Like I get it, we all need a pat on the back every now and then. But, but if everybody was just friends, best way I can give it to you. If you needed heart surgery and I said, hey, <laughs> I got a friend, never been to school. But he's got, he's got this basement. Man, it's, 
I'm telling you, he, he, said, he told me he'd do one for me, he'd do it for free. Has he ever been to school? No, I mean, he's slept in the Holiday Inn. He's done a lot of YouTube. He can do it. You're not going to pay a dime. You would be like, what in God's name are you? I'm not letting a guy cut on me that's never been trained. But yet we will let people pour into our soul garbage of crap into our minds, to our feelings, the music, the, 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 the intrigues of the things we read and watch. And I'll just say, who's teaching your faith? I'm all glad you can binge watch Silo on Netflix, but the bottom line is who's teaching your faith? Now, back to us. This becomes a challenge for me personally because how do we teach faith in a generation that's so woke? Because as a pastor, gosh, I don't want to hurt people's feelings. I love everybody. I, I might not agree with lifestyles, but I do love people. I want to help them on their journey. Oh, but wait a minute. At the same time, I got to hold to the truth. Like, like if you live this way and the scriptures say this, sweetheart, I love you, but I'm hanging on the scripture and I'll give you the scripture. But when I give you the scripture, it doesn't mean I don't love you. I'm just going to give you the scripture and I'm not trying to change it because I can't. It's the Holy Ghost that has to change you. But don't pee on my grave if I tell you what I believe. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to, it doesn't mean I affirm you, but you don't have to believe like me, but I'm obligated to at least tell you what I believe. And if you don't want to change, that's between you and God. I can't change you anyway. But if I share what I believe and the Holy Ghost touches you, praise God. But as a shepherd, it's becoming very difficult to say what we believe because the moment you do, you're labeled. If I say I believe that LGBTQ is against the will of God, I'm immediately labeled a homophobe. And I'm like, I'm not a homophobe because I believe scripture. It's America. If you want to be gay, do be gay. It's America. You can, you just go live you. But if you're going to bring me into it, I'm going to have a conversation with scripture. Don't be mad at me if I think the way you live is wrong. If, if the way I believe is different, it, it, if you want to live it, go live it. I'm not going to care, but, but don't be mad at me because I hold to what I think is important. And so as a church, I want you to know that what I'm going to try to do is this. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. Now notice even God knows if you want to capture somebody, you need to get them as a kid. And it doesn't say I've taught you badminton, tennis, golf, football, baseball, gymnastics. It says I taught you the scripture. Parents, I'm all for teaching your kids sports. It's wonderful. I'm the, I, I taught Stella how to do a backflip on, on a beam. That's how brilliant I am. But I will tell you, every parent is obligated to teach scripture. Every one of you. There is an obligation on every parent and grandparent to teach scripture. Now here's what it says. And they're given to you so that you can have wisdom. And all scripture is inspired by God, useful to teach what's true, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what's right. 
so as a shepherd of this house in the middle of a woke world where everything's happening with just ideologies of, of the global think tank, I'm just letting you all know so nobody's taken by surprise that I am holding to what the Bible teaches, whether it irritates you, hurts you, offends you. I don't mean it. I just mean that I'm going to hold on to it, present it in love, let you and God work out the results of that. But I don't want to cave because I'm scared, worried, don't want to be persecuted, trying to get a bunch of butts in the seat. I believe all of our jobs right now is to hold to the scripture. Because the scripture is what tells us what's right and wrong. So culture says this is wrong. And, and, the, and scripture says, well, no, that's right. And then culture says this is right. But the scripture says, no, that's wrong. Well, guess what? Somewhere in your walk with God, you're going to have to determine who is the dividing line between right and wrong. Feelings, cultures, and agendas, or the scripture. And you're going to have to pick. I'm not a prophet. So... Please don't think I'm trying to be a prophet here. There is coming a moment soon in the culture that we face where you're going to be demanded to choose. Do you want right and wrong being the group think tank or are you going to be right and wrong with scripture? You're going to be forced to choose. You're going to be forced to choose in your home, in your preferences sexually, in what you do with your life. You will be forced to either live your feelings and your agendas or forced to live what Scripture says is right and wrong. Now, I'm going to end with this thought. I think it's a good one. I do understand, well, preacher, the Bible is just so archaic. It was written thousands of years ago by a bunch of men. And, and it, it, they didn't even understand the culture within which we live. And I'm like, you're brilliant. You're absolutely right. You're brilliant. It's written by a bunch of men thousands of years ago. And just probably so archaic about gay people and women. It's just, ugh, let's just love Jesus and go to church. I would be okay with that debate. But if you put me on the stage, this is what I'd say. God uses it. To prepare and equip his people. So, no matter what you think in your thinker about the Bible, God uses it. And if God uses it, who in the Sam Hill do we think we are that we can do life without using it? If the creator himself uses it. And, and if we argue, well, did God write the Bible or men? I'll let you debate it out. I know what I believe. But I would just say, well, what does it matter? God uses it. And if God's going to use it, it must work. So God is using a thousand-year-old archaic piece of literature to cause society to know what is right and wrong that we may know what the will of God is in the middle of this God forsaken think tank. 
and the battle is not going to be where you go to church. Do you like Hillsong? Should you tithe? Can you wear makeup or get a tattoo? The battle is going to be, are you going to adhere to scripture when the going gets rough? Are you going to tell your children, I don't know what they're telling you in the ninth grade, honey, but let me show you the ninth chapter of what it says right here. I don't know how you feel about your breasts and about your nether regions of your gender, but let me tell you the mind of God. We have to be bold with what scripture says, even though it goes totally antithetical to everything the world says. And I'm just giving you, I don't, I don't say a warning. I don't say a warning because that kind of sounds like I'm Gandalf, but a warning we're not going to be able to play this game anymore. We're not going to be able to play a game of just Jesus and my feelings and Jesus. And it's going to be, do you or don't you line up with the scripture to live your life based on the righteousness of God as laid out there? Because he's trying to use that to teach his people, his family, what is wrong. So I want you to know as we move forward, if God uses it, I want to use it. I want to be a shepherd that will do my best to present you the Bible and scripture. And if it goes against the ideology of the world, be mature enough to receive that. And let's say on this corner for a dark world, we're going to be a beacon of light for hopeless people. We're going to be hope for gender confused. We're going to help them find freedom and power and peace and life for the broken and all. We're going to bring them in. But in doing that, we're not going to compromise when scripture is clear. Let's be clear. When scripture's not clear, okay, we'll debate it. But let's hold to it and let's not apologize for it. And let's hold to the fact that it's not about Bud Light. It's not about Target. It's not about woke curriculum. It's whether or not God's people are going to hold to his scriptural truth and live their lives by it. Amen. Bow your head and let me pray for you. Give God a praise if you want to. Hallelujah. Bow your head if you will. I want to give you a moment to think about something. I don't run your homes, but I would challenge you to have a hard conversation with yourself. A conversation where what role does the Bible play in your home? What role does Scripture have in your conversations? Are you even having those conversations? Pastor Phil and I have been meeting lately about doing our part as a church. We, we want to make sure that we're getting scripture and teaching to you and helping you. We, we, we don't want to point fingers at you. We want to help you. We want to help you be able to teach. And as a matter of fact, this summer, parents, this summer, starting June 21st, so passionate I am for your family is that I'm going down into the youth room on Wednesday nights and Robin and I are going to be pouring our heart into your teenagers. And we're going to be sharing what God has put on our heart for your generation, your teenager. My belief is after nine weeks being with them, they're going to be inspired to realize their purpose. That no matter what they do in life, they have a kingdom purpose upon them. And I believe in them. I'm not here to point fingers. I'm here to try to help us all achieve the righteousness of Jesus Christ and what he came to give us. But, but family, we're in a crisis 
of Christians who need to determine will we live the Bible. I pray you choose it. I pray you pick it. And yes, it may seem narrow and it may seem a struggle and you may be persecuted, but we've been left alive for such a time as this to be the light of the world and the hope of glory. Father, in Jesus' name, I bless this house. I bless your families. I bless your kids. I bless you that the devil will not devour you. He will not have your children or your grandchildren. I bless you to be a bold mother and a bold father. Would you stand with me if you will?